0: Welcome back to the cruise corner podcast as usual this is Lonnie we're mixing things up a bit for this episode we have our first ever guest appearance on the podcast joining me today is Gilbert a retired army ranger and the owner of four best LLC there's some great information in this episode regarding therapy and finding your way out of the dark when you've been struck with things like PTSD and suicidal ideation. Gilbert's story about struggle in and after the military is one that many can relate to, and many more can certainly benefit from hearing. You do not want to miss this episode. As always, thanks for listening to the Cruise Corner Podcast, and now here's episode 18. Hope you enjoy. All right, Gilbert, thanks for coming on the Cruise Corner Podcast. How are you doing today?
1: Doing pretty good. Good.
0: It was great having you on here. Thanks for being our uh, our first guest on the podcast. So this should go great. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I, yeah, I'm I appreciate you bringing me on.
1: Yeah, I appreciate and you and bringing you, me on.
0: All uh, right. So uh, you're a retired Army Ranger. Correct. So uh, how'd you how you get to decide you didn't even go that route? Like, how did you end up going down that so,
1: route? <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good question. So, uh, long story short, is uh I really didn't know what I was getting into. Uh originally uh I was actually gonna join the Air Force.
0: Uh, I, a lot of us have that story. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so that was my root like I was thinking Air Force, because, you know, Top Gun was a big old thing then and I was like, fuck yeah, let's fucking shoot some people out of the air. Uh, but then uh, I had an uncle of mine, uh, he's kind of, I see him as a, a older brother, because I don't have an older brother, I'm the oldest of my siblings, uh, and I saw him doing good, and so I decided to do the whole Army thing, and try to follow in his footsteps, okay. so I did the whole, you know, ASVAB testing and stuff like that, and when they asked me what I wanted to do, well, back then, in 1998, for, like, recruiting videos, they, they had this little VHS TV combo going on. Yeah, kind of giving my right. age now. <laughs> oh, so they had this VHS TV combo, and they had a bunch of guys jumping out of a, a perfectly good aircraft. So I was like, "That looks like fun." Yeah, those commercials and get was, you. <laughs> yeah, and that was pretty much it. And they went I'm typing away, and they're like sign here, 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 here. The next thing I know, it I was shipped off to uh Fort Benning, georgia basic training uh four days actually four days after the fourth of july so that was kind of interesting uh yeah. then had all these drill sergeants calling me a dick and i was like what the fuck <laughs> i like
0: why, why am I a fucking?
1: <laughs> yeah i was like shit and i couldn't find out towards the end apparently what a dick what dick means is dedicated infantry combat killer i was like what the fuck's an infantry guy
0: so yeah. I really didn't know what
1: I was getting myself into, and then next thing I know, it, I was going to uh, airborne school, and then uh, RIP, which was what they call the Ranger indoctrination Program, that okay. so gets you, you know, into that that lifestyle, um, and then just pretty much did that pretty much my whole military career. Um, I loved it. Uh, got five deployments uh, throughout my military career. Um, I had a lot of speed bumps. Uh, the, the biggest, I guess, demons, or biggest harsh times I had throughout my military career was after my second, third deployment, where I started seeing a lot more things happening. Uh, and then the whole, um, my incident happened uh, back in 2004 when I got blown up, and I had a piece of shrapnel cut my leg open. Luckily, it didn't cut open any severe arteries or anything like that. It was yeah. pretty much a, a pretty deep graze, I guess you could say, on, on the front end of my, my thigh. And just after that, it was just like pretty much like anybody else. Started relying on alcohol to try to depress everything. And that wasn't working. And just things started piling up on top of each other. got in trouble. Uh had an article 15 lost my rank. Um, then I started getting suicidal ideations. I did, I had two su- suicidal ideations uh, due to PTSD, one suicidal attempt. Uh, but what I guess what stopped me uh, because I started seeing a lot more suicides happening throughout the military and seeing. The aftermath of those of what was happening on the inside of those families uh, of the individuals that actually committed suicide, I it kind of shone light on upon me and seeing how the families were struggling and then coming to find out like if you actually even commit suicide, the financial issues that were affect the family because anybody in the military that commits suicide. The, suicide, uh, the the families don't receive any of those.
0: You forfeit uh,
1: the benefits and stuff. Yeah, they, they forfeit those benefits to the families. So that was one thing that prevented me going from suicide ideations to suicide attempt to kind of like almost, I don't wanna say a dead stop, but it deterred me away from that path because I didn't wanna see that happening to my family. I did not want them to go through that heartaches, through the troubles. I just didn't see it was well worth putting my loved ones yeah. through that type of a path. So that kind of suppressed a lot of the, the suicidal ideations. And, and then I also had uh, intensive therapies throughout my military career, especially towards the end of my military career before I retired. Uh, and I started noticing, before I actually started attending these uh, therapies, I was noticing in my units that people were, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, suffering from um, either from mild to severe PTSDs and not wanting to seek uh, help or guidance or therapy because people in the chain of command were seeing that and they were frowning upon these soldiers when they would actually seek and ask for help, so yeah. I took it upon myself, being in that first round position, that you know what, if I want to be this great leader, I need not only need to lead by example by physical fitness or marksmanship or going things doing things by the book. I need to show these soldiers that it's not gonna hinder their military career by going to therapy. So then. I sought out therapy and started seeking therapy, and I even actually got put into a program called uh, um, uh, Interpret Spirit in uh, Fort Hood, Texas, which was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, it's an eight-week program, and they focus on your PTSD and my TBI and any other uh, therapies that you may need, either... Uh, physical therapy so it was like a, a clinic that focuses on everything that may be wrong with you uh, yes. so if you instead of going to sick call, you would see them instead. They were your medical source for everything and it like so a great program. It, it is it's a really great program and uh, they what they do is they introduce you to different methods and different things to bring back. your life so what they do is they have you fill out a form uh essentially a a list that you write out on what your interests were prior to your military career or prior to your first employment and you list those out and if they have the assets they will bring that to the table during your therapy sessions Uh, so one of the biggest things they brought out uh, was art they have art therapy they have music therapy uh, and then Uh, A bunch of other things along with that. Um, And, like, for me, for example, I used to be really big into art and and music before, well, art before my military career and music before my first deployment. And I kind of just lost interest in it. So, when they, what they do is they take your information that you fill out on these forms and they tailor your day to day activities while you're in this clinic. So essentially, your day-to-day basis, for example, like is you do not report to your unit whatsoever. So you belong to them. Your place of business was there. Okay. So um, they even had a 30 to 45 minute uh, PT session for you, which kind of completely focused on mobility and making sure they focus on any previous injuries to strengthen those areas. And then after that, you would shower, change to your, to your uniform, and you would have either classes or you'll be in that art therapy class or music therapy or physical therapy or seeing a counselor or seeing a a pharmacist talking about the different types of medications you're on. So they provide all that throughout the eight weeks from day to day. Um, And one of the, I guess, um, biggest obstacle, at least for me going through that was because um, you were in a small group. So the, your groups were anywhere from four to six people per group. Uh, so any given class time, you have anywhere from eight to 12 people in, in your class per se. Yeah. Um, but they would break you down to either four to six people per your class. And the biggest real, uh, speed bump or, or obstacle, I should say, for me, was they asked everybody to give a um, a narrative of something that was a large impact on your deployment. They wanted a significant event of any of your deployments to be written down on paper and you would read it word for word uh, on, on like a, specific, a specific, yeah, on a specific date. And for, for one, it was hard just knowing that I had to do this. I mean, all of us, it was hard for all of us. But what even made it harder for me was the date that was given to me to read my my narrative was on 9-11 which was really hard for me. <laughs> and, oh, I I mean, yeah. So talking to my therapist during my session throughout the days leading up to that, um she helped me out a lot, and she would ask me because I would see her uh, twice a week within those eight weeks, and she would ask me every so and she's like how's your progress going and writing it and i asked her i was like it's really hard trying to get something written on paper i told her and she's like she doesn't understand and she kind of like worked with me and kind of found out when i told her i was like what makes it even hard for me is i'm gonna read it on 9 11. so she kind of like turned shifted gears on me and she was like so and she kind of saw where I was coming from, just from all my different sessions and all the notes that all the therapists and uh, doctors were giving her about me. She saw that my voc- English vocabulary is not my strong suit. So she asked me, she's like, "Is English your second language?" I was like, "Well, Spanish is my you know my stronger language." And she's like, "Well, why don't you go home and try writing it in Spanish first? and see if that helps since that's more native to you. So I took that advice and the guidance and it actually helped me out a little bit. So when I finally got everything down in Spanish, it was easier for me to translate from Spanish to English rather than going straight to English. Um, then, <laughs> and then coming up to the day to 9-11, to reading it was really hard. And and it sucked because I was the last guy in my group
0: to I'm read my narrative.
1: <laughs> so it's like, oh, shit. Like, watching everybody. I mean, we were there for each other. And, like, every time somebody read their portion, uh, we, we were there to help them cope with it, and help them get through it. Because the therapist that was in there, he did not want us to veer from what we wrote. Because he knew what we wrote has more truth than trying to give the story off of our mind or memory. Yeah. So he was very adamant about making sure we read it off, what we wrote. So for me, just to talk a little bit about my narrative, what was really, really hard for me was, um, cause I was a sniper also in the military, in the army. So I was in a overwatch position, overwatching this unit, uh, doing a... Um, a uh, uh, entry control point in this village, and as the crowd started disappearing and everybody started ramping up their their threat levels, I noticed what looked or to me at the from my point of view it looked like a woman carrying a baby walking to the the formation that was on the ground and trying to get sometimes I would yet to make that call to your hire and try to explain things on the radio. And trying to paint that picture for your chain of command over the radio, yeah, It's sometimes really hard, and they don't trust right. what you're watching. And I know
0: that from I pulled a lot of guard tower in Afghanistan, so I had to paint a lot of pictures that couldn't always get painted enough.
1: <laughs> for yeah, and yeah, and it's it's rough, and and trying to tell them because, like, as a as a sniper, you're you're trying to try to catch some small telltale signs on what can or cannot be a threat. So I noticed that this woman her torso happened to be bulkier than normal and it wasn't and the way I was trying to explain to my general command over the radio it's not like a human being just being fat plain fat yeah. you could tell it was not rounded up properly it was straight lines uh and so on so forth. then trying to explain it to them they weren't grasping that so me being on the ground I had to make the call because this. Person that looked like a woman carrying a child was getting closer and closer to this unit. And they noticed that and they were trying to stop this individual. So I took it upon myself and, and took the shot. So when I took the shot and noticed the individual falling that happened to look like a woman carrying a child, like I noticed what looked like a, a, a infant being wrapped up coming out of her hands. And that was my, my, i guess my breaking point of my narrative and it it like to this day it still haunts me from time to time um just seeing it, especially on the anniversary date just thinking like okay i i potentially shot a woman with a child and it's like very hard because now every time i go around into the public and i see a woman with a child it's like shit i my i just took a life that happened to be a mother, yeah. maybe not only to that infant, but to another kid or two that they might have at home. So it was very hard for me to grasp like, what I saw. And then luckily I made the, the right call because I couldn't find out it wasn't even a woman. It was a, an individual, a, a, a gentleman, a guy with a suicide vest. And what happened to look like an infant was just more explosive wrapped up to create a larger explosion yeah so i mean yeah i made the right call but
0: there's still that fear though if if it wasn't if it hadn't been
1: (laughs) yeah and just the thought of it looking like a woman and seeing these women walking around back home stateside with their child it just brings me back to that moment so reading all that and like it hit me really hard but luckily Like, the group I was with, they were there, and they supported me in return, like, the way we all supported one another there. So, and what really hurt, or not really hurt, but what was really hard for me reading that was when I was going through the program, I had one of my NCOs going to the same program with me, and happened to be in my group. So, it was, like, it, it felt, I guess, awkward, somewhat awkward, because, like, I would always portray myself as being a strong leader in yeah. front of my soldiers and then showing this other side of me like
0: there's a vulnerable side that's getting put out there in front
1: of yeah so when he saw that and I, I like that was going through my mind I was like oh shit I was like now like I, I to getting all these different what is and you know how the whole what is stuff starts mm-hmm. coming into play but what helped me out a lot was after I finally calmed down from reading it and uh, the therapist gave everybody a moment of silence to you know, grasp reality again. He asked the therapist if he could say something and and the therapist was like, go ahead. So my MCO stood up and he looked at me and came up to me. And he said that he appreciated what I, I did and what I, I read because now not only that he saw as, uh, leading up to that point, he always saw me as, you know, the strong leader, the strong uh, individual. And he said that seeing that side of me shows me that I'm only human. Yeah. And he, he appreciated it. He said that it's people what, and I, to this day I still remember, because when he said, it's people like me, when he was talking to me, he said, when it's people like you that are willing to give up everything to be in this type of therapy to show others that it will not hinder your career is more of a of a um uh, how do you say it i'm trying to remember the exact words but some down the lines that is what makes a great leader essentially mm-hmm. and that's what like really hit me and i'm like oh shit and it's then unfortunate like, that
0: more that more leaders can't put that out there to where, especially like the lower enlisted people so that they realize they don't have to go through a career of bottling everything nope. up because you see these people that are above you and you, a lot of times you aspire to be like them. And so it's like, okay, they're strong. They don't talk about it. They don't show weakness. So if anything happens to me, I need to learn how to deal with that. And I got to deal with it quietly. And then you have people that just grew in years of their lives, trying to just hold on to stuff that they could have like you're a human people experience shit, so it's like
1: yeah your and leaders just, show
0: that you can go through it and you can survive it i feel like that would help people so much more than putting on that persona you know
1: yeah up. and and my biggest fear was coming out of that that course was like because he, he he was a or he yeah well he was a great nco he ended up etsing um and my biggest I guess worry was that he was going to go back and be like, I mean, even though with what he said in the back of my mind, I was thinking, okay, where is he going to go back and, and tell the rest of the company like, go. Oh, we, we have a weak ass first arm, blah, 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 But coming to find out after I retired, because he tested after I retired, I <clears throat> couldn't find out after, even up to after I retired, I still had a lot of my senior NCOs and my NCOs and even soldiers hit me up saying, hey, I wish you didn't retire for Sean. You know, we could really use you, um, X, Y, and Z. And I was like, shit, I was like, you know, I appreciate it, but it was just my time. I was just like, you know, when you know it's your time to get out, it's your time. So just knowing the fact that, just knowing the fact that that NCO told the other soldiers what we went through, shun more lie onto my old soldiers saying you know what he is a human being but yet that strives him to be even a better leader which really hit me even more because i was like shit yeah. because reminds, as a leader
0: that reminds me so it. much of a uh, a book i just read the things they cannot say there was a leader that they interviewed in and he was talking about how important it was to cry in front of soldiers to not not make it a big dramatic thing, but to show that that you like to let it out, so that they see yeah. he was like a general, or like he was somebody that was up there, and he was like, it's important to let them see, like if someone comes back from deployment, someone's been killed, to show that side of you, so that people understand that you have to let it out in a, you have to grieve in a healthy way, and yeah. so, uh, but just what you were saying reminded me of that
1: yeah but it's crazy. I mean, like that's the biggest thing is after everything I've gone through i I know now that i mean it's it's a part of me. I'm never gonna forget it, but rather than it being letting it or allowing it to bring me down and and have me down spiral again down that path uh, it's just not worth it. I just gotta utilize that and and continue pushing forward and progress. To show people that there's more to just, you know, going down that darkened rabbit hole. there's a lot more things that are out in life. And one of the biggest things I always told told my old soldiers, which helped out one of my soldiers, because I had a soldier of mine before I retired was having suicidal ideations until that MCO that I went through that course with told him about me and he came up to me and he was like, Hey, first time I need to talk to you. I was like, okay, Yeah, what's going on? He's like, Can we shut the door? I was like, Yeah. So we shut the door to my office. He talked and he told me the story that the NCO I went through the course with told him and I was, like, I was like, yeah, I was like, I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm only a human being. We all have our flaws. And he said that just hearing the story from the NCO saved his life because he went out, was having suicidal ideations, he bought a firearm and he had intent to use. But when he heard that, right because his plan was to commit suicide on that for, that four-day weekend, but luckily he heard that story from the MCO and it stopped him from it. And I, and I told him I was like, you don't have to keep that in sight. I was like, there's always people out there that has either gone through the situation you're going through, or maybe even worse, that could potentially help you out. And I told him I was like you could always have somebody to talk to. You just need to find out who you need to talk to and who you could rely on to, you know, lean your, 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 or have a shoulder to cry on and somebody to talk to, somebody you could actually open up to. I told him, I like, it could be anybody. It don't have to be your spouse. It don't have to be a family member. It could be a, a brother in arms or a sister in arms. I told him. Yeah. I like, it could be a random stranger or it could be a therapist. I told him that sometimes people open up more willingly talking to a therapist because they're a complete stranger and they're not going to be judged by them.
0: Yeah. So,
1: so I gave him all the information. I, even, and I gave him the the card that they gave me from the interpret spirit clinic. And I told him, I'm like, if you're willing to enroll, I'll like, I'll enroll you. It's not going to hurt your career. I told him because he was coming up for, uh, his biggest worry was he didn't, cause he's, he kind of reminded me a little bit about me because I'm not very book smart. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, more, I'm more of a hands-on. Yeah. So he, he was having issues studying for this board. And he was a good soldier. It's just when it came to doing the paperwork, he struggled. And I told him, I was like, look, there's ways around it. I was like, you just got to figure out what works for you. And I told him, I was like, what worked for me studying for a board is I would make it into a game, like a little trivia game. And I, and then I would try to rake up some points. If I raked up so many points, I'll treat myself to buying, I don't know, 100 rounds of ammunition to go to the ring. <laughs> yeah. like so, and then he he and he took an account, and I told him, I was like, look, I gave him an option. I was like, you could either struggle now, I'm studying for the board, and not making the board. I was like, you have the potential of being a great leader, I told him. I was like, or two, we could postpone your board. Go to this, this uh, course, this Interpret Spirit course, and go for eight weeks and see if it helps you out. And if, if you like it and you, uh, it helps you out, we will reschedule your promotion board and you, you can go at a later date. I'm like, it's not going to hinder you. He said, yeah, but my buddy in this other company, he went and saw a therapist and they kept him from going to the promotion board. So he's not going no more. I like, well, I'm not even part of the chain of command, I'm like, but i am willing to help you out if you're willing to help yourself so he took that to a grand assault and he actually was like you know what first time? he rolled me so i rolled up for the next course he went through the course and a month after he got out of the course i sent him to the promotion board he got promoted and now he's at an e7 in the army that's
0: awesome yeah, i think he brought up some great points with just uh one with the program you went through that it seemed pretty well-rounded because I think a lot of times with recovery especially with stuff like PTSD uh, a lot of times what you're offered is kind of like this cookie cutter approach like everybody's gonna have the same trauma need the same healing same recovery and everybody's different so uh, you have to kind of figure out what works for somebody just like with what you said for studying for the board you have to figure out ways to remember and build memory or just study for stuff everybody has their own way of learning and those processes are really important and if you uh if you try to go the route that everybody else goes it doesn't work for you because like i say, everybody's different so you gotta figure out what's gonna stick for you and i think a lot of people yeah. get hurt when they try to go the route everyone else goes and it doesn't work for them because they're trying to compare them that whether
1: it's trauma training whatever so yeah and, and one of the biggest thing is like like in the army like you know how we had those uh uh those classes the the sexual awareness classes the, you know, um, the training yeah um, and, and the biggest one that kind of bothered me a little bit is like the resilience classes yeah because they, they it's it's all generalized and 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 a lot of the instructors hated me because after the class I would give my two cents in and my two cents was always in like or my two cents was usually talking about, you know, which I focused on the resiliency portion, but I always told my soldier like, look, you know, this class is always gonna be given to you no matter what you are doing in the army. You're gonna be going to this class. You have to take it, it's mandatory, you know, we gotta do it. But you cannot use your problems and try to come back from it like the person to your left or right. Uh, resiliency, yes, the whole concept of, you know, trying to be like a ball and you gotta bounce back, but you gotta take in the same concept, even though you gotta be like a tennis ball or a ball and bounce back, you gotta take in consideration that ball never bounces in the same direction. Yeah. So every, every person is their own unique ball. You're gonna bounce differently compared to the next person to your left and right. You just gotta figure out how, you're gonna bounce from your issues or your problems, and how you're gonna direct that bounce to making your military career or your your personal life a better life. And a lot of the soldiers were liking that, and the instructors were like, "No, it's one way." I'm like, "Yeah, it maybe way. So
0: you can't do it that way." <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, it's fun and I mean, the the classes themselves is a nice foundation, but." But the instructor, I guess the instructor we had, the institute we had for resiliency, just didn't understand the concept that it's a foundation and you got to build off of that and you can't just stick with that because everybody's built differently. Everybody, well, the idea everybody's minds are different. To,
0: yeah. It's just the idea of being resilient to to do that whole bounce back. But it there's not really a set process on how you get to that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Our point
0: says there is. It's <laughs> you know, It's not as simple as going through the bullets and you're going to, bounce back from what happened
1: because
0: there's just too much stuff that can happen to a person and,
1: uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, it's just really, really rough. I mean, people just need to understand that we gotta be able to figure out what works for us, what is going to click for us and what, and like I tell all of my soldiers, you gotta find out what your anchor is. Like, is it going to be your wife or your kids or your, your parents, your cousin, your your uncles, your aunts? You got to figure out what is your anchor that's going to keep you at bay from going down that rabbit hole.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one, like when you were talking about like suicidal thinking and suicidal ideation about how it affects people, because sometimes people, uh, you get really stuck in like those dark places where you don't realize the collateral damage that happens from something like suicide and how it affects other people. And so uh when I've always talked about it, I've always talked about how my daughter kind of grounds and I'm sure people can hear her screaming in the background. That's how I get grounded <laughs> <is> that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's fine. So, but it's also that you have to have that happy balance of not putting too much into depending on other people. Because I've always said, like, if you depend on one person a lot and that person's taken out of the picture, if that's your rock and that's your everything, it's so like you have to have that other... Uh, piece of yourself that wants to preserve yourself and survive because if you like if something happened to my daughter it would be really hard for me to keep fighting because that's my reason to keep going and so i've had to learn to kind of find other things to uh, not really attach myself to but to kind of have that belief that there is always a way to keep yourself from going down that dark road again uh yeah down to having to figure out what works what gets you out of that what brings you back towards the light what what works what doesn't I'm one of those people I've done a lot of therapy and talked to a lot of therapists and I've realized that talking about it doesn't get me out of that place sometimes it puts me deeper into it because uh like when I've gone to the VA it's you talk to the therapist they open up these wounds and uh yeah like, good talk, see you in a month or something. And it's kind of like, what do I do with this? You go out to the parking lot and you just have all the shit <laughs> that just came out. Yeah. Like, oh man, like, <laughs> what am I going to do now to get myself out of this funk that they just put me in? And so, uh, I wish when I was in the military, I'd heard about programs like the one you talked about because there was a lot of, I uh, felt like there was a lot of shame in talking to anybody about it. And there was that worry if you talk to the wrong person. They're gonna go talk to somebody, and toxic leadership is everywhere. And if the wrong person hears, there goes your career. There goes any chance of going anywhere, and you get stuck in that unit. You know, it's kind of like you burn out, and sometimes that that goes down a really, really bad road.
1: Yeah, it it it, and does and like like how you're talking about the VA, like (laughs) my therapist, he's, I guess I throw him off guard. Because in Texas I have a license to carry. So I carry everywhere I go. And so he asked me, he's like, So what do you do other than seeing me once a month? Like how you're saying, hey, I'll see you in a month, you know? And I was like, Well, I like for one I like coming here is very hard. He's like, What do you mean? I like coming here to the VA in general is really hard for me. He's like, How so? I was like, Well, like for one, I have a license to carry. I like, and I can't carry onto the VA premises because it's a governmental property. Yeah. He's like, he's like, do you always carry? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah that, that, that's kind of like my, my, my anchor, I told him. He's like, so what do you do from month to month before, in between sessions? I'm like, well, I go to the range. I shoot. I'm like, it, it's, he's like, you shoot? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know what it is. just the feel of pulling the trigger, having rounds go down range. It, I find it therapeutic. I'm like, it, it soothes me. He's like, but does it not take you back to your deployments? Like, honestly, it don't. I'm like, it puts me, it puts my mind at ease. And and then, so like talking about the firearms, like before retiring, like I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. Like, what? Okay, I was like, all right. I just turned in my retirement package. like, fuck, what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I was like, so the only person I could think of that I could talk to at the time was my uncle. Cause he retired out of the army. So I'm like, well, let me call him and see like what he did. So I, I was calling him and I t- we talked a lot and he was like, well, I really didn't leave the army. He said, because he retired out of Fort Polk, Louisiana. So oh. <laughs> the, yeah. So the day he retired out of Fort Polk, it's the same day he actually started working there on post he's like he's like i don't know he's like i'm still kind of in because i have a uniform i work around soldiers all the time yeah so i was like i really didn't retire he said i'm like well shit i like that leaves me out of the fucking wide open what am i gonna do <laughs> and he was like well you just need to figure out what you enjoy doing and try to find something similar and i was like well fuck i'm like Every time I was getting ready to deploy, I, I was excited because I was going to go shoot somebody in the fucking face. I'm like, so I'm like I kind of like doing that. I told her, like, well,
0: you know, what, really what does this, this you translate wanna... to in the civilian sector?
1: I yeah. was like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm going to write my resume. Hobbies, like to shoot people in the fucking face. Yeah, I was like, I
0: can't do that. I canceled out yeah. a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah. So he, he was like, what about being in the law enforcement? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I was like, no. I don't think so, yeah. I can't see all <laughs> Yeah, So so then I started thinking, okay, I was like, well, I, I, I love shooting. I have a lot of experience and a lot of courses under my belt. And what, that was my biggest thing when I was in the military was I try instilling all this information and knowledge onto these younger soldiers. That way it's just not a, a dying cause. I don't retire and all of a sudden like, fuck the rest of the army. You no, know, yeah. So I always try to instill information and knowledge and skills to everybody. So I was like, you know, why not be some sort of firearms instructor? So then I started putting things together, and then then I thought, you know what? Why not make my own, why not do my own business? So then I started writing things down and <laughs> trying to come up with a name. And that was just an obstacle in itself. So. I, I try to think of like everything that I want to do it to incorporate in the business to help out uh, society, like, you know, our local population. So I was thinking, I was like, well, I want to build equipment. So I was like, okay, what type of equipment can I build? i like, what can I do that's cost efficient that I could turn around and sell for at a reasonable price? So I was like, well, I like, I know, I was like, growing up, my mom taught me how to sew. So I was like, I know how to sew. So I'm like I could make a play curtain. So I made a prototype plate carrier, came out good. And I took it on my last deployment too. And I made a battle belt and that came out pretty decent and held up fairly well in deployment. And then I was like, well, what else can I do? Then I learned how to make uh, Kydex holsters. So, I'm like, okay, I like I got a general baseline on equipment. I like, what else can I do? I was like, well, like, one of the biggest things in our society is security. Because with the way our nation is, shit's always fucking happening people getting robbed mugged uh houses are getting broken into um keeps you on your toes (laughs) yeah so i'm like well security is a big thing i was like so i could be a security consultant talking about how to keep your either your homes um well defended between inside the building outside the building by security systems on so forth and then i'll be okay i got that down like what else do i have in my belt or my tool bag that i could bring to the plate. So then I started thinking, I was like, well, I did go through an extensive, a lot of extensive training in tactics. I like, well, I, like, I could help either law enforcement or organizations learn different techniques and tactics, either tactical shooting, defensive tactical shooting, so on and so forth. So then I was like, well, I got equipment, I got security, and I got tactics. I was like, what else can I do? And I started thinking, I started putting that, writing it all down in, looking at everything on paper, so with me being a prior not only ranger but a sniper as well in the army you know how we have our identifiers right our little codes you know um so like let's say for example you get a a a code eight that identifies you as an instructor and so on and so forth so being a sniper you get a bravo 4 identifier so i was like well how could i implement that into a business name so i started writing everything down so originally when i put things on paper i was like well I got equipment, I got security, I got tactics. I like I like, what well, if I put the Bravo Four? I like, well, if I put it all together, it spells out best. And you know how in the army we're very well known for our acronyms.
0: Yeah. So I was like, okay.
1: sure. I like that is good. So originally I had the word BEST with the number four over the P to signify Bravo Four. Mm-hmm. So I had the four B and an EST. So then I went out, started trying to I ended up buying, I want to say, like, five different apps for my phone, like graphic design stuff. Yeah. And I started playing with it and came up with a 4Best logo and then made some cards. And then I was working part-time at this indoor gun range, and I was giving out my cards there because I worked as a uh, instructor there and a range safety officer there. So, so I started handing out my cards. They said, like, oh, cool. And people would read my cards. And they're like, oh, 4Best. I'm like, no, it's. B4EST, and they're, oh, okay, and then, like, more and more people are, like, whoa, cool, that's a pretty neat name, Fort Best, and I'm, like, no, so I'm trying <laughs> to explain, like, the whole acronym thing to people that had no military knowledge, Yeah, it's trying to become more of a, uh, of a heading, so I'm, like, you know what, people like the name Fort Best, I want to stick with Fort Best, yeah, so I just ran with it, I'm, like, fuck it, so that's how essentially I came up with the name for my, my business. So and ever since I've been making holsters, um, I've made a couple of, I actually made one plate carrier, one battle belt, um, given a handful or a multitude of firearms classes, anything from like your basic pistol all the way to your advanced pistol shooting, basic rifle all the way, to your advanced rifle shooting. Um, and then due to the limitations of the range, I could only do so much as far as, like, long-range shooting because the longest range they had was 50 yards. So, I mean, which still gave me a baseline to teach people the general dynamics of, you know, shooting long distance.
0: The basics and stuff.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I worked with it, and people are loving it. And they are enjoying it. And I even had uh, the city councilwoman uh, hit me up and ask for a custom holster. I'm like, oh, wow. sure so she came over to the facility and i started to talk to her i like to get to know the customers a little bit and try to make the, the holsters personalized to the individual so i found this organization or this not organization but this company that could imprint pretty much anything onto a sheet of kydex so for the listeners if they don't know what kydex is essentially kydex what it is is a very hard type of plastic that you could mold And once it's molded, it regains its hardness. Mm -hmm. So it's essentially plastic that you could heat up to soften up. And when it's cooled off, it hardens. And it'll keep its form. Unless you reheat it, obviously. So I started working with that company a lot. And then getting to know the the city councilwoman more, when I was talking to her that day, I noticed that she had this huge purse in a zebra print. (laughs) And I asked her, I was like, how fond are you with zebras? She's like, Oh my gosh. She was like, I love zebras. I have zebras this, zebras that. <laughs> there it is. I'm like, there it is right there. Yeah. So I, I asked her, I was like, How would you feel if I made you a zebra print holster? She like, Oh my gosh. She's like, If you could do it, yes. I, said, I could do it. So I made her that custom holster and she came in one day and she just fell in love with it. And I mean, that was like one of my biggest sales was selling to the city councilwoman. <laughs> uh, of our of our of our city of our town, I'm like wow! that I was like, one of my highlights. I'm like, hell yeah! I'm like awesome. I feel so good about it. Uh, but yeah, um, so as far as like my business goes for uh, for uh, for Best LLC, that's what I do. I do uh, custom holsters, uh, plate carriers, battle belts, firearms training, anything from your basic to your advanced shootings, uh, your tactical shootings. Uh, I've done so far two yeah, two actual home defense courses I do so essentially what I do for the home defense courses I come out to their their residents and I sit with them I give them a class on what they could do to potentially deter a intruder coming into their home so I go over all that stuff on how to work on their homes to do that as simple as putting up a sign or buying a, a dog or anything of that nature all the way up to knowing the legalities or the laws of owning a firearm within your own homes and your limitations of utilizing your firearm within your own home onto an intruder. So I go over all the legalities uh, of our state for, for those individuals. And then I go over also within their own home on where they should technically stand or be to ensure that if they have to fire their firearm, that it will, if it that round happens to go through the intruder, that it's going to come out the other end and not potentially injure somebody else. Yeah. So I Bring go through all that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, you know, potentially firing your your firearm and then shooting it, and then you have a your son or your daughter in the other room. Yeah. So I go over all that, and the first one I did was pretty much free of charge because I didn't know how it was going to go but then they went in and told their friends and then like it's slowly starting to spread and, and people are loving it because it's inexpensive and they enjoy it, and they love it. And they actually have somebody teaching them something other than having a classroom environment where they are in a class and te- te- getting taught something generic. And then they're going to their home and figuring out, okay, well, I just learned how to use my phone on my home, but yet I have my couch here and my bedroom's over here compared to the, the layout that they gave on their PowerPoint presentation. So they they enjoy that um, coming out through their residence and going over things on how they should approach things in case an intruder comes in. Yeah,
0: there's plenty of that classroom stuff everywhere. <laughs> like, it's yeah. nice to have some some options, but they definitely don't uh, go into that much detail. So people are kind of left like, you know, <laughs> when your house becomes a combat zone, like, I don't know what to do. <laughs>
1: exactly and i guess i think my my biggest sell on how i sell it is because they always ask me that well you just taught so-and-so i I could just get the information from them so the way i usually sell it to my potential clients is like okay you have an identical home to your neighbor but i guarantee you you don't have the exact same furniture i like even let's say best case scenario you have the exact same furniture i guarantee you, you don't have that furniture laid out in your home the exact same way as your neighbor. Yeah. So they're like, you know what? You're right. And like, OK, so and then, you know, we set things up. We set up a date. And usually what I try to do is I try to set it up to whenever it's convenient to them. Like, I had this one client that um, they wanted the class so bad. And I was like, look. i like, you don't have to pay me anything now. But if you want a class, a home defense course, just let me know whenever you're ready. And she was like, "Okay, I'll I'll definitely let you know." And I mean, I give the information out to everybody, and sure enough, I mean, four months later, she hit me up, and she's like, "Okay, we're ready. We could afford the class. Let's do it." And I asked her. I told her, I was like, not to get into much into your financial situation." I was like, "If you're really hurting that bad, I was like, I could I'll, I'll discount it for you." And she's like, "Really?" I was like, "Yes." I was like, "I'm just here to try to share the information, knowledge, and skills." Because I believe that if you could defend yourself in, within your own home, I, I've I've accomplished my mission. Yeah. And she was like, really? I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm not worried about charging a set price and try to get rich off of this business. My 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 main mission is to share the knowledge and, and skills that I have. That way our society, our local population can defend themselves when need be. And she really appreciated. it. I actually gave him like a 50% discount and, they, and her and her husband loved it. Wow. And, yeah, that's a great thing they, too, for just people in the community, just
0: to help people in your community that way. Just uh, like, you can't put a price on people feeling safe and better and yeah, having a lot to thank for it.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. And I can't wait to continue progressing because I know eventually I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get my certification to teach. Uh, individuals to get their own license to carry Uh, because what I intend to do is once I get that certification what I want to do because what I've been noticing at least around my community is people are getting charged ridiculous prices and I know when I got mine mine was given to my class was given to me for free of charge because I was active duty Mm -hmm. so I think it would only be best if I return that favor and give the active duty soldiers that are within the surrounding areas you know that same class, that same gratitude, and not charge them a dime. Yeah. And then, and even if I have a veteran that comes up to me and wants to take the course, it'll be discounted because I believe that everybody should have the exact same uh, luxury rights that I got taking my course that they should get also. Mm-hmm.
0: So right now, you might have already said, but is it just you that's doing it, or do you have other instructors with you that kind of help? So right now.
1: So yes, right now it is just me, um, which is working well right now. But as I'm growing, I'll potentially start hiring some other individuals that have the exact same mindset that I do. I just don't want to hire somebody and then they come in and be like, "Well, I want to run it this way." Like, no, it, it's going to be run this way because I want to help the community out, and I don't. Want, I, my purpose is not to get rich off of my business. It's, yeah, my mission is to essentially, like you said earlier, help the community out to save their lives or their loved ones lives.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, is there a, so your company is 4Best LLC. Is there a way people can contact you or you, I know you're on Instagram and stuff. So. Yes.
1: So right now I'm, I'm getting a website built, which should be, hopefully it should be up and running by end of next month. But as right now, um, I have my Instagram, which is 4 underscore best, uh, underscore LLC. And then I have a Facebook page as well, which is for best, uh, period LLC. So for now, that's the best way to get a hold of me. And then, uh, as far as any classes go, uh, I'm willing to travel just depending on the type of class it is. Uh, because like right now, for example, I have, uh, I had a hotel, uh, in Texas that was wanting a active shooter course, which I was going to do. But then I ended up deploying over here to Iraq. <laughs> so I had to postpone yeah. that, and, uh, which they were fine with, and they are willing to wait until I get back to give them that course. Um, and they said, depending on how the outcome of the course goes, they are willing to push me to their other locations, and they were willing to pay for my travel. So if any of the listeners own a company or a business that would like an active shooter course and want me to come out to them, For now, they could either hit me up on my Instagram page or for best page or Facebook page or Instagram page, and we could make our arrangements then. Um, Once my website is built, I will publicize it on both my Instagram and Facebook page. And then obviously the majority of the business will be run out of my business page.
0: That's awesome. So probably start wrapping up I'm sure you can hear my kid banging on the doors it's like the wardens come around doing their rounds <laughs> and stuff ready for you to move on but uh is there anything before we get off here you want to like just share with the veteran community or anything any advice any takeaways you can get for just people that might be struggling right now or having a hard time figuring out just what
1: to kind of do with themselves and get out of that dark place uh yes um so I'm pretty sure if you're listening and you're still listening to up to this point, you've heard my struggles, you heard my issues. Um, If you're having these issues or you feel yourself coming down that rabbit hole, um, think of somebody or, I mean, even me, if you want to come out to either my Instagram page or Facebook page and reach out to me, I I will respond in a timely manner, depending on my situation here in Iraq. Um, But don't, Give up hope because there is somebody out there that's willing to put everything down and come out and help you out and have that ear for you to uh, talk into, for them to listen to. Uh, Share your stories. Don't be afraid to open up. Everybody has issues. Everybody's issues are different. Uh, There are different levels of these issues that are out there as far as PTSD, TBI goes. Everybody has problems. Just reach out to anybody. I mean, there's a lot of different organizations out there that are willing to help. I'll be willing to help as much as I can as well. Uh, reach out to somebody. There's always a lending hand out there in our society and our communities that are willing to listen and help out. Just make sure you reach out and, and grasp that individual's hand and don't be afraid to ask for help. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. We're all human beings. We're not machines. We're not perfect. Just make sure you, you know, extend that arm out and reach for help.
0: I think that's really helpful, and I really appreciate you coming on here and joining us. And uh, hopefully, we can get you back on here again sometime. Like I said, we've talked before this about we're opening up topic discussion stuff like that. You got a lot of knowledge on stuff, so we would love to have you back
1: sometime. Yeah um I I mean I would love to come back on your show um I guess we could just set up a day and time and just let me know I mean I'm more than willing to come back on I mean I've listened to a lot of your other podcasts and I love what you stand for uh what you're striving for uh, for your, with your with your podcast and I and I think it's actually helping out a lot of people I mean just listening to your podcast I mean I know there are people out there that you're actually touching and helping out
0: Yeah it means a lot to hear that Uh, thanks again for coming out and, uh, hope you have a good one. Stay safe over there.
1: We'll do. And thank you for having me on.
0: Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more episodes from cruise corner, make sure to subscribe. You can listen to episodes on anchor, Spotify, Apple podcasts, or check us out on our own cruise cast located on the cruise corner website at www.cruisecorner.com.